The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Pro Football Network premier NFL draft podcast. Ian Cummings right here with my guy, Ali Hodgkinson. We're really excited to bring some draft talk to you guys. Uh, it's February. So, you know, it's draft season for the mainstream, Ali, but we've it's been draft season for us since like, what, August? Man, I think it's been, I think it's been draft season since Grant Stewart was the Mister Irrelevant <laughs> of the 2021 NFL draft class. I think we had like a day, two days, maybe catching up on some of like the free agency stuff at the end of like UDFA stuff at the end of the last draft, and then it was bosh. Let's go straight into the 2022 NFL draft class. So yeah, I, I think it's like ten months, ten months worth, worth of, of the NFL draft, and we still got two months to go. I know, dude. And I still have so much to do. <laughs> I still have so many guys that I want to watch a little bit more. I mean, it's insane. I distinctly remember the two days that we had after the draft because it was only two days and then it was on to the next stuff. So that's just how it is, though, man. That's just how the draft cycle is. It's it's full year all around for us. Uh, and that's that's the way it should be. You know, that's you got to do those preseason evaluations to know what you're looking for from guys. And then you got to reevaluate and you always got to be reevaluating your perspective. You know, you can never get too comfortable with any one thing. So that's what we're doing here, man. So, but Ali, I mean, first off, this is the, I guess the inaugural, inaugural, what the heck? Inaugural. There we go. Uh, PFN premier NFL draft pod. So how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to, to get, we've been thinking about this. We've been talking about this for a while. Being able to bring, our direct messages, our Slack chats to live. Yeah. Let people inside our process, let people inside what we talk about on a day to day, introduce people to the the really good club. Um yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to talking some football with you twice a week and letting everyone else hear what we've got to say and, and what we think about this class, the next class and classes to come. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Now, before we get into that, you know, a serious note, obviously, I mean, if, you, if you've if you been following what's going on in uh, Ukraine, Eastern Europe, it's uh, it, it's been rough. I mean, me personally, you know, looking at it today, uh, it was really hard for me to focus on football. You know, obviously not tweeting a lot because, you know, it, it, when things like this happen, you realize how insignificant, completely insignificant stuff like NFL draft and football is, uh, you know, and, you know, me. I feel like there's this, you know, the 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 concept of mortality, right? It's something that you get more comfortable with as you get older. I'm not quite there yet, man. I'm I'm not quite there yet. So so seeing all what's going on over in Ukraine, you know, if you're religious, you know, send a prayer their way. You know, keep them in your thoughts. 
because uh, some serious stuff going down there uh and it, it's it's tough you know but it puts things in perspective so had to get it had to get that in there obviously you know this is a draft podcast but as much as we want to be avoidant you know in these times you can't really avoid it sometimes you gotta think about it you know uh telling them that you're that you're there that you're present stuff like that so uh, ali i mean to me personally it's been hard to focus on football but you know just sending thoughts and prayers their way it, it can go a little bit of a way so i mean you got anything to add on that yeah i am um, i woke up at, at half past four five o'clock in the uk this morning and um I, th- I find it difficult to put into words to what I what I felt like at five o'clock in the morning here in the UK, and I, and I, I put a tweet out at that time, and I can't even begin to imagine what it was like waking up in Kiev this morning or in Kharkiv this morning, and mm-hmm. all the cities, the towns, the villages that uh, around the Ukraine this morning, and, and like I say, thoughts and prayers don't feel like enough, but you know that's all all we all we can do, and I think we've seen in the last two years you know so much um has happened in the world covid the ongoing situation in the ukraine and it's hard and you have to face those those realities that life is hard but what we've also found within those months is that you know sport can be a a medium to bring maybe just a little bit of 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 joy a bit of sunlight a bit of daylight and a little bit of energy in the world that sometimes people might need in that moment. So it's it's hard, it's difficult, it's terrible watching what's unfolding right now. But if, if there's anyone listening to this that, that has been hard hit personally here and this brings a little bit of, of, of joy or sunlight into their day, we, we really, um, that means a lot to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's something you can't avoid, right? But at the end of the day, we got to keep working. We got to keep trucking on. So you know, just keep them in your thoughts, obviously. And, and you know, a little can go a long way. Uh, so yeah, that, that it's, I couldn't have said it any better, man. I mean, it's, it's tough, but it definitely puts things in, in perspective. And at the end of the day, just count your blessings, man. I mean, like at the end of the day, like th- there's some inconveniences always, you know, no one's life is perfect, but you know, to be able to do this and to have, you know, safety and stuff like that, that's not something that everyone can say. So for the people who can't say that right now, send a thought, send a prayer, you know, and just keep them in your thoughts and, you know, hopefully we'll get out of this, but moving on from that, uh, obviously it's a situation that's not resolved yet. So keep watching that, keep sending your thoughts, uh, just let them know you care about them. That's the the best you can do, you know, if, if you can't impact it right away, but let's, let's get on to the, uh, you know, providing some, uh, some upbeat energy. If we can, I'll get into the 2022 NFL draft. Obviously, uh, we just completed our, our, uh, draft guide. I was going to say big board, which we did. We, we updated the big boards for that to, to get the final rankings in there for the volume one of the draft guide. But the more important thing I feel like was reevaluating, uh, getting through the players, kind of solidifying our perspectives at the moment. Uh, it was a big project, man. It was a big project. I know for I know for you, I know for me, I think I worked 60 hours that week, just like getting the guys in there, you know, uh, on top of, you know, having to consolidate all the information into each section for each player, but also re-watching guys that we didn't have as strong of an impression because obviously you can't watch every guy every day. You know, some guys do have a stronger impression on a given day and you have to play catch up sometimes. And so that was a big thing too, kind of you know, finalizing and re-cementing those opinions and, you know, reevaluating too. Like, hey, was I right about this guy the first time or did I need to kind of take a step back and, and reevaluate? So, Ali, what what was the uh, process like for you? I know it was pretty taxing that week, but it was rewarding, uh, obviously kind of getting more clarity 
But uh, what was it like for you kind of setting that all in stone of getting that draft guide finalized? Yeah, it's been, um, like I said in the introduction, it's a 10-month process. And the, the great thing for me about putting this draft guide together, I'm going to give you a little, you guys a little insight into into some of our processes as we as we talk through this podcast in this episode, future episodes. We want to be like really open, clear, transparent about we how we go about the the draft process, the scouting process. And and for me, it's been super interesting putting the draft guide together because I started compiling top ten positional lists for every position in the 2022 NFL draft back in May. And so going back seeing my opinions and and how those top 10 positional lists shook out in may and june based on what i'd watched during the 2020 college football season you know early early little dabblings with tape for for those prospects summer scouting it was really interesting going back and and seeing two things firstly how I think I developed this season as an NFL draft analyst. You know, some of the the scouting reports that we wrote back in May, June, so almost basic compared to to the the reports that we we started I know, I compiling. Thought, I thought now. I was I thought I was alone there. <laughs> there there was some that I wrote <laughs> like in August. I kind of winced. I was like, oh, what? what what was I thinking here? But yeah, no, that's that's exactly what you know what what time is for and what development is for. You know, kind of you looking back what what else could i could i have considered what other lenses could i have looked at this guy through yeah that that's exactly what the draft process is for but i i went through the same exact experience i think as well like for me it was if 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 you take anything away from the process you you are constantly learning you're constantly learning the game you're constantly developing your craft and anyone who's starting on this journey like you you never know anything about anything and i think that applies to a lot of 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 roles but you can never know too much. You never know what you don't know is, is a phrase that a lot of people use. And, mm. and I, I think through like revisiting these guys for the draft guide, like firstly, it, it, it smacked of, of my development. But then I, I look at some guys who really have come on leaps and bounds in 2020, really have developed as prospects where I think it's cool to look back at areas that i had earmarked as areas for improvement and seeing like guys like nicobe dean for example who i wasn't super high on coming into the season i thought there was a, a lot of work to the you know looking back in 2020 he was a guy who routinely because of his, his size issues which have been brought up already in this class but he was a guy who's routinely stonewalled by offensive linemen like he he struggled to penetrate the the offensive line and I, I put that as an area of improvement. And you watch him this season. You watch what Nakobe Dean's become this season. And I, that was the first guy that really stood out to me. I was like, holy, that that guy is, you know, he's really turned it on this year. So mm-hmm. per, personal improvement. And, and then watching how some of these guys have, have really transformed their game um, through this 2021 season. It's been it's been a real eye of there. It's, it's, it's a great a great learning curve. Yeah, for sure. And like the the biggest thing for me in this process was like during the season and, and this isn't like an indictment of anyone or any one thing. I mean, you know, we we share our opinions and we interact on Twitter, which is a great resource for, you know, interacting and networking and sharing opinions with draft guys, you know. But at the same time, 
it can be a, a bit of an echo chamber sometimes. Uh, you know, like there's guys who get a ton of hype and then they get hyped up. And eventually, you know, you're watching the tape for yourself to see what you what you want to see from them. But, you know, that hype is kind of subliminally impacting how you view them. Like you're like if, if someone tells you this guy is super twitchy, man, you know, you see him. If you see even a hint of that, you're like, oh, OK, he's twitchy. I'll, I'll check that box right there. You know, so it's one of those things where it did have a little bit of an effect during the season, that hype, that echo chamber, you know, for me personally as well. You know, like I, I'd like to I'd like to say I'd like to tell you that I'm a perfect draft analyst, but no, I'm not. You know, no one is. We're, we're humans is the, is the end of the deal. So we're all kind of affected by those implicit biases that can, you know, kind of seep into our valuation without without us knowing. So I think this process for me was really, really big for not eradicating that. And I, I don't think you're ever going to completely get rid of that, get rid of that if you're a human being, right? I mean, we're imperfect. It, it's how it is. But, you know, at least being aware of it, I think is the first step toward minimizing it, its effect on your analysis. So that was big for me going through this draft guide, you know, circling back on some guys. Aiden Hutchinson was a big one for me. Some of you may be surprised by my ranking of him. Uh, I, I I ended up shuffling him just outside my top 20 after having him as a, top, as a top five prospect. I was a little surprised by it. I might end up kind of recorrecting back at the very end and putting him back in the top 20. But there were things about his game that, you know, I, I still like him a lot. He's still a top 25 guy, still a first round guy for me. But there were some things that I overlooked during the season because it was just this echo chamber of oh Aiden Hutchinson is dominant he's such a great player and he's a great player don't get me wrong but you know I don't want that hype to preclude me from giving a thorough honest analysis of that player you know positives and negatives because I feel like I feel like you know glossing over the negatives it's not just dis it's not just disingenuous to the readers who are trying to get honest analysis I think it's disingenuous to the players too. If if they theoretically, if they were to come to you like, hey, give me an honest scouting report. What am I good at? What am I bad at? You don't just want to cater to them. You don't you don't just want to say, oh, you're 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 great, man. Like, hey, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, no, the the way to help them improve theoretically, if they were reading your pieces, is providing a thorough, detailed analysis of their strengths and weaknesses. And, and so I think you know, providing anything less than that is kind of disingenuous to everybody. So you know, circling back fighting through those biases becoming aware of that is such a big thing for maximizing your analysis and i think you know the draft guide i think we i i don't think we're there yet but we're we're getting there and i think the draft guide was a great step forward in that sense i don't know if you felt the same way in terms of you know kind of being aware of those biases and kind of minimizing them yeah i think bringing up aiden hudson is a great point because we both were very similar in our opinions prior to this season in terms of I think maybe um like a, an early second round guard. I remember doing the early mock drafts in this class and I think for the first few mock drafts until the 2021 college football season started, like I don't think I had Aiden Hutchinson in the in the first round. I think I had him as an early second round guy and then yeah, Bosch he has this yeah exactly he has this dominant season where you know we Heisman um, contender, incredible statistical output, looked like a monster on the field when you're watching from, you know, broadcast angles with the uh, commentators giving it the hype. And um, I, I'm I'm still a little higher on Aiden than, than where you've got him right now. But, you know, it, it just shows that the, 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 the process is fluid and you, you really have to put the time and the, 
and the effort and, and you know what we're, we're both part of a couple of, of different group chats and I was, there was a great point in in one of those earlier today where it's like you need to watch a play five or six times before you can really yeah. get the nuances of of scouting down you know it's easy to sit and watch a broadcast game and go hey this this guy's really good um but you need to you need to go back and you need to watch it you need to watch it from the right angles you need to to really appreciate what that guy is is meant to be doing and how he achieves what he's meant to be doing as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Aiden Hutchinson is a great example of that in this class. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. Like, it, it sucks because, you know, whenever you pull up a, a broadcast, like a, like a film clip, like, hey, it's a, like a cut-ups thing. Maybe it's like 12 minutes or something or 12 to 15 minutes. I don't know. They, there's wider ranges than that, but just, that's just kind of a, providing a sample range. You're going to spend maybe an hour watching that at least you know, a 12 to 15 minute cut-ups link because you do have to watch every rep like at least a few times. Like maybe once it's watching for the assignment, you know, what's he supposed to be doing? Like you said, maybe the next it's like, oh, what's his footwork? You know, oh, what, where are his eyes at? You know, it depends on the position, what you're looking for. It depends. You know, it changes for everyone. But you can't, you can't take in, you can't consume everything on one watch. I mean, like maybe some of you are superhumans out there. I don't know, but I know for me, you know, you definitely have to, if you want to retain it, you know, and if you want to get an accurate viewing of that rep, it's not going to take one watch there. You definitely got to watch it over and over again, just to make sure you get the right impression. So that, that was big for me, you know, going through this a second time too, is you do when you're finalizing these opinions, you do want to be a little more thorough because you don't want to leave anything out. You don't want to leave anything behind. So I think that was a great, a great kind of, um, what's the word? A great externality. It's not the word, but I'm going to use it anyway. A great externality from this process. So it's a fun one, but Ali, let's, we've talked enough about the process. Let's, let's get onto the players now, you know, that were kind of affected by this process. So, you know, thinking back, obviously rewatching guys in this draft guide finalization, who was the guy that kind of, I, I I mean, who was the guy I'll leave you to use your discretion, whether you want to talk about a guy that impressed or disappointed on the second watch through, but who was a guy who on your second watch through really kind of, you know, your opinion of them became vastly, I guess not vastly, but relatively different to your first watch through. Who was the guy who kind of opened your eyes a little bit on the second time around? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to stay close to home and I'm going to go so close to home for me. I don't mean Matlock, England. I mean, <laughs> Boston. I mean, Boston College. I'm a big yeah. Boston College Eagles man. I, I will hand in heart try not to let that impact my opinions on prospects. And it and does. Zion anyway. Johnson, That's okay. It, <laughs> well, you know, Trey Barry is the best Titan in the class. That's all I'm exactly. Um, Zion Johnson was a guy for me who, I was I was critically crucially aware of coming into the season that I believe the Boston College offensive line coming into this year was one of the best would potentially be one of the best in college football. Um but Zion Zion Johnson's um a guy who 
uh, similar to a couple of prospects in this class, like Emma Kwanu, for example, who I stonewall when like that kid's a guard. He's a straight up guard. Yeah. Uh, he's a good he's a good guard, you know, he does everything that you want for in the position um interior offensive line. But Zion struggled last year for Boston College when he was he was switched out to left tackle. Really struggled last year. And that that kind of factored into my um, initial opinion, initial ranking, initial scouting report of Zion Johnson. But then you look at he only had one full game against Virginia Tech at left tackle this season. He was called into play left tackle because he switched back to left guard for the season. But he, he was called into action against Virginia Tech at left tackle. And he showed dramatic improvement at the left tackle position. Um, and then you saw him at the senior ball kick back inside and inside oh, again yeah. and he play center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and he had his struggles. I think everyone that, that, that wasn't a center coming in who was tasked with being, um, to, with, with fulfilling that role for however little or long they, they did in the senior ball, they had some initial struggles with the snap. But you watch yeah. him go to work after everyone else has left the field, working on his craft, honing his craft. And, and when you go back and watch the difference between his 2020 tape and his 2021 tape, you know, that's apparent. You know, that's that, that's a kid who clearly worked on his craft because called into action at left tackle, a position where he struggled at in 2020, called into action for one game and, and, and excelled. And, and I know there's a trend now after the senior bowl for Zion Johnson to appear in first rounds of mock drafts. I had him in my four-round mock draft in the first round, back end of the first round to the Tennessee Titans back in December because I think that's how talented this kid is. Um, but if you just said that to me back in May, back in June, I would have told you to get on your bike because <laughs> I, I, I didn't see that. But, you know, development, developing myself, going back and watching tape, seeing different things the second time around. Zion Johnson, I think he's a perfect example of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know you and me both were kind of new to the whole football thing. Like I, you know, I played tennis, I played swimming, but I was never a football guy. And you're, you know, you're from England. So it's like, yeah, they don't do much football there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. It's fun to kind of dive into the details. And you have to if you want to scout accurately, you know, like you can't just say, Oh, a cornerback is fluid. Oh, yeah, he's explosive. I mean, that that's important, right? But hey, how are his feet? You know, how's he matching guys? You know, is he jamming before he sets his base? Is he lurching a little too bit? You know, it's 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 really fun to kind of dive in and for every position, you really got to do that to get an accurate understanding. And the depth to which you can go through that is really limitless, you know, and that's that's what makes the the constant improvement, you know, process so fun. You know, you just kind of keep improving your analysis and keep honing it. So that that that's a great a, a great kind of byproduct. That was the word I was looking for earlier. I don't know why I said externality. What the heck, man? Uh, I guess you, the you, you've always been the guy with the big words. I'm the guy with the the hyperbole. The I'm not trying to I'm not trying words. to discombobulate our our listeners though. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean. And I, I had a similar process. I'll talk about some guys that kind of changed my impression of through the second watch through kind of on the other, on the opposite end, uh, on the opposite end, kind of flipping it over. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, was guy I still have in my top 25. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I still love a lot of parts of his game. Uh, I think he's he's twitchy and energetic for sure. 
I mean, he's really good at using that twitching energy on the snap. You know, he can feign inside and go outside. He can feign outside and go inside. You know, really good at setting up tackles and getting them off, you know, off their platform and then capitalizing on that. So I love that, you know, that manipulation, that, that ability to set them up and capitalize on, dis on displacement. He definitely has that. The, the problems with Hutchinson for me, watching him and David Ajabo side by side. And here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people talking about David Ajabo. You know, one of the arguments that they bring up for having him lower is like, oh, he really benefited from Aiden Hutchinson. I think you can make that argument for both of them, honestly. Like, I, I think there were there were reps where Ajabo was able to get home because Hutchinson forced the quarterback out of the pocket. And there were also reps where Ajabo got around the edge so quickly that the quarterback had to step up. And Hutchinson at that point has, an, has a lane inside. So it's not something that I really factor in. Because I think they both benefited from each other. You know, it was kind of a symbiotic relationship. So I'm not going to use that in my evaluation. I'm just going to look at the player. And what does the player do? How does he do it? Um, and with Hutchinson, you know, again, I love the I love the energy, the the violent hands. I think he does have some hands in his arsenal. He's, he's got those violent clubs, the swipes, uh, the speed to power. He can do that. For me, with Hutchinson, you know, the arm length is a concern. I think, you know, it's going to be sub 33 potentially, which is a big factor for some teams. Some teams have arm length thresholds that they take into account. But the bigger things with me, you know, looking at him and Ajabo side by side, I don't think he's got he's quite as explosive off the line as Ajabo. He's a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes in the NFL, you need like a very good to elite first step off the line to get by some tackles. I'm not sure Hutchinson quite has that. So he's going to have to compensate with better hand usage. He can be a little more precise at times. He definitely has the moves, but can be a little uncoordinated, a little reckless sometimes. And then he plays with his pad level really high a lot. You know, he he's not a super efficient mover in space. Uh, I'd like him to be become a little more efficient there. I'd like him to dip his pads a little bit more, you know, play with a better pad level, get that superior leverage, attain that more consistently. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, just cleaning up his game a little bit. But I think he's a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. But athletically, you know, for t for edge rushers too, and the bend too, I don't think he has elite bend. His hips kind of lock up the apex sometimes uh, upon watching. You know, I think he has good ankle flexion, but again, can be locked up. David Ajabo's. I think Ajabo is longer, more explosive, more bendy, has better lateral agility. Hutchinson has good lateral agility too, but I think Ajabo is just a little bit better, at least a little bit better in every physical category, you know? So I think for me, that was when I was saying, yeah, maybe Ajabo is not quite the player that Hutchinson is, especially in run defense. He's definitely, definitely got to improve there. But if I've seen enough flashes of Ajabo getting a half-man relationship, setting the edge, you know, and if I think he has the length and the strength capacity, then I'm, you know, I'm gonna be comfortable projecting if he's already a really, really good pass rusher, even when he's kind of still adding moves to his arsenal. So that was a big process for me, and I've been talking a lot. So I'll just kind of add the second one really quick. But Trevor Penning too was another one that I came back to, kind of a similar aspect in that you know he's really, really good at winning you over with that first impression because he's a nasty guy. He's mean. I mean, if you saw this guy at the Senior Bowl. He was blocking after the whistle. He was slamming guys' heads into the ground to the point where they were getting pissed off. I mean, I would too, honestly. Um, but he's mean, and that nasty attitude is going to win over a lot of offensive line coaches. Don't get me wrong. I like the upside with Penning too, but watching him back the second time, man, there are some serious technical flaws that still need to be ironed out with him. And I think especially at the FCS level, 
being able to outmuscle guys with his pure core strength, you know, and, and tenacity. And he's definitely got that. He can really suffocate rushes just by anchoring, you know, and absorbing that power. But at the senior bowl, you know, and he was voted national team offensive lineman of the week and he had some good reps, but he also had some reps where he really struggled to lower his pads and get guys who were bending around the edge against him. You know, he couldn't really get out to the edge. His feet weren't moving consistently. Uh, and then he was bending at the waist a little bit, not really bending his knees, you know, played really, he played too tall and he, his hands were a little inconsistent. You know, I think he, he kind of compensated with that over physicality at the, at the end of reps, but some of those came, came, some of those came at the end of reps that he lost, you know? So I think with penning, you know, he's still going to refine the hand usage. He gets really grabby. Uh, and I think that that could lead to a lot of penalties at the next level. You know, and also he just plays too tall. He'll open up his torso, which exposes him to power, can knock him off balance. There's a lot to clean up with Penning, you know, and I think you can say that for a lot of prospects. Don't get me wrong, but he can be a little stiff laterally, too. So I'm not sure the athletic upside. He's definitely a great athlete, uh, but, you know, it's not to the point where I'm willing to overlook all of those flaws with him. So I know we've seen some top 20 hype with Penning. I'm uh, I'm never out on anything. But he's not even a top 50 guy for me. He's got some things to clean up. Uh, again, there's upside, nasty attitude, but I'm not sure how translatable it is right now. And so kind of looking back and kind of thinking about it through that lens was really good for me. But those are two guys that I looked at and I was like, you know, looking back, the, the nasty attitude, the all-out motor, those are cosmetic elements. where They're, they're important, don't, don't get me wrong, but those are cosmetic elements that can win you over with guys when really there's more to the puzzle. So that was my experience. And I'll be honest, some, some other evaluators may have different perspectives. They may have different opinions and they may disagree with me and that's okay. Uh, but, you know, looking at what I've seen, you know, and how I've seen it, that's what I'm going with. And that, that was for me personally, that was interesting to kind of look at it through a different lens uh, the second time around. Yeah. Trevor Penn is an interesting one because we, um, we reported here back in, I can't even remember when back back when it was. I feel like I've been writing this sentence within our top fifty, um, top fifty consensus pieces that we've been writing since August September time. There were there are reports um, that some NFL evaluators, some NFL scouts, had Trevor Penning rated as a better prospect than Evan Neal in this 2022 NFL draft class, and and for me. Like I found that rough. I found that a rough uh, concept. I found that rough going. Before you take into account some of the the stuff you've just discussed, and um, with regards to Penning in terms of you know some of the the maturity stuff, you know, man, Tyreek Tyreek Smith's head bouncing off the bouncing off the senior ball turf. Um, you you don't at a time when the NFL spends so much time promoting safety, health and safety, concussion, you know. To, to, to watch that, you know, that's not a, an accidental clash. You know, it's not an accidental clash of heads as a man going out there and bashing another man's head to the turf. So, yeah, there are some of those those bits and pieces with, with Trevor Penning that you think that's that's got to uh, that's got to impact um, impact his stock. And, and and these are some of the things that you have to factor into the the NFL draft scouting process. You know, it isn't all what you see on tape. There's so much more that goes into it. And I know you, you're the same as me. You try and dig up as much background on prospects. Try and watch interviews with prospects. You know, it's not a, it's not a perfect medium to establish the 
off-field side and the mentality side and stuff, but you, you put in as much as you can in to try and create and paint a, a whole picture. Um, and, you know, things like that with Trevor Penning, things like we're hearing about Carson Strong and how poorly he interviewed at the senior bowl, mm-hmm. all, all of these things have to, to factor in. And Carson Strong's a, an interesting case in point because this is a kid who whose NFL draft stock has been teetering on the precipice of of something something great and something not so great because of his injury history and and now it's well actually what's what's this kid really like because he's interviewed so poorly um poorly at the senior bowl with NFL teams and that and that's going to play a part of his evaluation as much as watching him toss the ball 60 yards down the field into the night sky of the you know the Nevada mountains yeah yeah i agree i agree. I, it's it's tough and it's tough because how do you quantify that you know how do you quantify that i, I and it, it, if us from our perspective all the way outside that's really not something we can quantify i mean with guys that we do interviews with you know you get to talk to them one-on-one it helps you know i think it helps a lot but you still don't get the full picture you know you still don't see these guys 24 7 you know what they're really like when no one's watching right so it, it's one of those things where you gotta you gotta take it you know you can't just turn your nose at it but you you gotta have a complete evaluation too so it's it's tough man like how do you quantify that that's that's one of the key puzzles that's one of the key questions that we're still answering and i have a feeling we'll we'll probably still we're still going to be trying to figure out how to answer that two to three years down the line you know we'll definitely have more more knowledge and insight you know we'll be able to work around it but how do you quantify that it's really really inexact science that you know even nfl's teams and scouts are still trying to figure out all this time so that that's interesting i'm looking at the clock and we were aiming for like 30 to 40 i think we're over the 30 minute mark ali so i i wanted to um one thing because i know you know the inaugural episode i got it right that time there we go the inaugural episode of the pfn and a premier nfl draft podcast uh we want to you know, premiere the draft guide. And I think another good way to do that, man, I mean, just give me three players, three players who you ended up ranking a lot higher this time around three players, just rapid fire and rapid fire can be like 30 seconds per player. I know, I know we usually go at least two times over, so we'll say a minute, but you know, three players who were ranked a lot higher than you expected or a lot higher than the consensus has just get, get the word out there for these guys. Who are you really excited to kind of dive into and excited to rank uh, the second time around because they impressed you? I'm going to start off with Andrew Booth, cornerback Clemson, and not because he's ranked any higher or lower than when I had him before the start of the season, because from the minute I turned on Andrew Booth's 2020 Clemson tape, I was absolutely in love with this kid in terms of the athletic upside that he brings to this 2022 NFL draft class, the insane ball skills uh, that he brings to this NFL draft class, the physicality. The reason I bring Andrew Booth up is because it's been reported you know, this week by multiple people that the people have a third round. The NFL has a third round grade. I've seen mock drafts where Andrew Booth isn't in the first round. And I just don't get it. He's the cornerback one for me in this class. So for me, that's either I'm seeing something that's not there with Andrew Booth. And I, I know you're high on him. I know I think all four of us who have helped contribute to this 2022 NFL draft guide have all got him as a first-round prospect. So, um, But there's, there's clearly stuff out there on Andrew Booth that is, um, you know, 
it's, it's people are seeing something different from what we're seeing from from that perspective. Um, second guy I'll go because I know I'm definitely higher on Cameron Thomas than most people within our NFL draft department. The minute I turned on Cameron Thomas, San Diego State edge defensive end, the minute I turned on his tape, I was blown away. And snap after snap after snap, I was continuously blown away with his strength, his first step, his his ability to to, to seamlessly, um, excuse me, seamlessly um, jump inside, uh, jump inside from outside with his incredible lateral agility for his his size. He's a he's a He's a defensive end who's similar size to George Kalaftis out of Purdue, who is an incredible athlete in his own right, as far as I'm concerned. But Cameron Thomas, I think, does possess some athletic qualities that, that even George Kalaftis doesn't uh, possess. And I, I think he's, he sits firmly on the fringe of round one, round two potential, right on that borderline between round one and two. And I, I know I think most of the um, guys in this department have got him in the seventies, somewhere somewhere down that end. So I, I'm I'm clearly very high on on Cameron Thomas and oh third one. I'll go with Lewis Seen. I haven't, I haven't said Lewis Seen though. I think you, me, and you have got Lewis Seen ranked exactly the same position in terms of um, where we have him on the on the, on our big boards. I, I love Lewis Seen. I, I don't see a, a I don't see why you wouldn't take a, a safety like Lewis Seen in the first round. Diagnosing and destroying the wrong game, physical as they come. I think he's become more controlled with his physicality as well through this 2021 season where Georgia have won the national championship. I think his athletic profile and his ability to read the game makes him a um, a decent coverage safety as well. He's probably you're not going to lump him in the same category as a Kyle Hamilton, for example, but. He, he does the job in coverage, comes downhill extremely well. He's a, a leader in that defence as well. Again, a historic Georgia defence. I, I absolutely love Lewis Cena. I don't think he gets the, the credit that he deserves in this 2022 NFL draft class. Yeah, I'm impressed you didn't make a pun about his last name. We got through like a, a hey. 30, 30 seconds. I shouldn't have said that because now I know Ali's just like, he's he's really I'm, trying to hold it in as best he can. But I thought um, we'd be on like the best behavior for this first episode. And then, like, uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably, probably smart puns. strategy. Yeah. No, the, puns, the puns will be coming. For those of you who don't know, man, that we, uh, we make way too many puns in the chat. Honestly, it's bad. Like we got to limit it to five a week or so. No, like three a week. No. Not five a week. Come on, man. That's too much. But yeah, I'll, let, let me get out to mine and then I guess we'll get out of here. But I got to start with my guy, Texas Tech wide receiver, Eric Azukanma. I swear, you know, Ali, not much irks me, but you know, <laughs> I, I keep I keep seeing people saying they never heard of the guy, you know, and like I get it. There's a lot of names to sift through. But if you have never heard of Eric Azukanma, get him, shuffle him right to the top of your watch list. I, I swear, I'm not going to stop until I stop hearing that. Because this guy, you know, if you like Traylon Burks, now I'm not saying he's better than Traylon Burks, all right? I'm not saying that. But if you like Traylon Burks, you are going to like Eric Azukanma a lot. He's listed at 6'3", 220. Uh, he's a phenomenal rack threat. He's got really good lateral agility. I think he has better contact balance than Traylon. I'm just going to say that right now. Traylon's big, and he's he's agile. He's explosive. I think Traylon's a little bit more explosive and fast in open space. But Eric Azukanma bounces off of guys consistently. Uh, he sheds arm tackles. Very good at that. And then also, he's got really long arms. He can. He's really good at tracking the ball and, and, and converting in contested situations. And then also... 
route running. I mean, some of the hitches that he was running, I, I just watched the TCU game the other day. I was trying to see if, if I was seeing the right stuff with him. Some of the hitches that he's running, he can chop his feet and sink his hips really well for his size. And, and kind of he has a little bit of throttle control to him. Uh, he's got some lateral agility and hip sync. You know, I, I really think Ezukama was being slept on. And that was something where I really wanted to come back to that through my second watch through and see because I was high on him to begin with. And through the second watch through, it really it really reaffirmed my opinion. Sometimes it changes your mind. But for me, it was like, all right, Ezukanma is he's he's a guy, you know. So if you if you if you've never heard of Eric Ezukanma, uh, you know, get him on your radar, watch some film. And obviously, if you see something different, you know, hit me up. I don't care. You know, like I'm, I'm happy to talk it through. But from what I'm from what I have seen, he seriously needs more hype in this wide receiver class because he's a very good player and he's got a ton of upside moving on. And I'll be brief with these guys because I, I used like three minutes on Ezukama. But uh, Boye Mafe, Minnesota, we all know about him by now after his dominant senior bowl showing. Ali did a great interview piece on him. Check that out. Uh, but he's a phenomenal player and even better guy off the field. He has an incredible story. But he's got all the upside. I mean, he's got explosiveness. He's got bend. He's really big. He's around 6'3 255. So he's got a good frame. Uh, he's pretty long. I think he has like over 33 inch. So at least beyond that threshold. But he has been steadily improving. He's been using hand moves more. A lot of swipes around the edge. He's that's one of his favorites. I know he said that in Alex Peace. Uh, but he can he can you know dip and rip. You know he's got that. He's got that long arm, that bull rush, that speed to power. He's got a lot of moves in his arsenal. He's still working on, you know, applying them the right way. But I love that the theme of Alex Peace was. You know, some people talk about Boye Mafe as a raw prospect. He has elite athleticism. He's going to test out of this world. But he does have some moves in his arsenal. He's not a total project. And so I think you put him in, he can be a very good player off the edge right away. So I'm I'm a big fan of him. I think I had him 33rd ranked. It was he was in my top 35 in that you know fringe first round range. So I really like Boy and Mafe. And then I guess to to close it out, a guy that I had the opportunity to talk with one-on-one, Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama. I think Alabama corners, you know, always get the hype. He doesn't have the hype right now, but I was blown away talking to Jalen. Uh, he's he's a great kid. You know, he's a great guy. I feel weird saying kid because I'm 23. He's a great guy. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, he's, you know, he had an injury, a hip injury that prevented him from seeing the field down the stretch in the in the season. Uh, so not a lot of people really know the book on him right now. I feel like he's a little slept on under the radar, and I feel like part of that is because the injury prevented him from really closing out the season on a high note and showing people what he could do. But you look at his press technique, I think it's pretty advanced for his experience level for being a one-year starter. Uh, and you can tell talking to him, he thinks it through. He watches a ton of tape, um, and he really has a good understanding of the game. I think he's a great athlete, too. I think he's pretty fluid. He's got he's explosive. He's got good speed, too. He trusts that speed a lot, as he told me. He can run with a lot of guys. Uh, and he's pretty long, too. He's, pretty, he's got a good frame. I, I'm really excited to see how he tests at the combine. I know he's been working hard preparing for it, so... Jalen Armour Davis, I know there's not an Alabama corner who's who's generating a ton of hype in this class, but I'm willing to bet that Armour Davis is pretty underrated right now. He could go day two if he tests well, and I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders where he could go on to become a productive NFL starter. So I'm getting that in for Jalen Armour Davis, but you know we, we brought up six guys at the end there, but you know I think really the lesson to take from this class is that you really can't overlook anyone. <laughs> I mean, going through this draft process, there's so many guys – that you know and sometimes you know you're, you're studying other guys someone catches your eye you don't really have time to, to circle back and do a full watch through like i'll get to them later got to use it's a constant opportunity cost equation 
but you really can't turn your back on anyone because there's so much talent in every class, you know, so you got to keep sifting through finding those diamonds in the rough. That's the best part about the process, though. So I love it. And just going through this draft guide, we're going to have a lot more players in the next draft guide. This was kind of volume one, giving you guys a taste of the analysis and the rankings and stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, but the next one, we'll have more players, we'll have more analysis, even more analysis. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's already a lot, but we're going to get more in there. And it's going to be a fun time because yeah, you really, you can never have too much for any draft class. So I, it's, it feels like we're getting close to that time boundary, Ali. It feels like it. We're pretty long-winded. So, Ali, I mean, any any final words for the first-time listeners on the uh, inaugural podcast episode? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And, and it ties in with the, the, the draft guide quite nicely. So wrap it up solidly. There's a, a lot of people who've called this draft class a bad draft class, mainly because of the quarterbacks, the murky quarterback situation. Personally, I, I think there's quite a lot. There's a little bit to like about every quarterback as well. Um, but the, the 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 class as a whole gets a bad rep. There's great wide receiver talent. There's great edge talent. There's great cornerback talent. There's you know first-round offensive tackle talent, offensive line talent. An, an offensive center who should go in the first round. There is there's so much talent in this class. The linebacker class is so much better than I thought it was originally back in May. There's there's so much to love about this class. It's not a it's not a bad class. Don't hate on the class. Don't sleep on the class. Enjoy the class. Enjoy the class. And you know that's it's interesting too. Looking at the quarterbacks, I feel like that's a big source of that doubt. But hey, we could look back in five years and three of these guys are top at top of the league so who knows no one knows uh people like to talk about how they know and sometimes we do too like we're all human we, we all make that mistake but no one truly knows what's going to happen so the best we can do is give our thorough objective analysis and that's what we're trying to do here at the pfn premier nfl draft podcast so with that we'll wrap it up on me and cummings with ali hodgkinson uh please tune in uh and feel free to review you know give us your thoughts you know send us questions we're always happy to answer and bounce off of you guys and please, you know, the draft guide comes out next week. It's going to be great. Going to have a lot of top, you know, a lot of quality content uh, that, you know, it, it's taking a long time. It's taking a, a full draft process to get all that information. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you learn from it. And I hope you learn from our conversations here. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays are when we're recording. And we'll, we'll get them out shortly after those dates. But until next time, guys, just uh, have a good one. Uh, peace out. Have a good one.